Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello and welcome to the World Needs You podcast episode two and my personal story. Now, this is somewhat of what I would consider an optional episode. Um, Really, I truly just want to provide you a little bit of insight on my story. Um, I know that as humans, we're all curious and nosy, and so uh, I'm going to provide you the goods here. I'm going to provide you the insight about myself, Uh, but I do truly believe that this is really helpful Uh, just on a connecting level, just seeing common threads or certain things that resonate with you and your story, your experiences. We all have, you know, an incredibly unique life experience, but so many of those things can also be um, really kind of, like, condensed down to very common threads. Just common experiences in terms of at the base of what they are, they are very, very similar. So, yeah, I mean, I'll kind of just dive right in today. Uh, My idea of, like, what I'm doing here, my hope is that I can kind of condense my story into, like, a 45-minute thing. So, you know, you'll see if I did that or not, because you're looking at the episode already posted, so you know how long it is, but... For me, I'm like, I want to try to crank this out in 45 minutes, and actually it's perfect because it's uh, 45 minutes from the time that I want to eat lunch. So I have a great motivation. I don't think anything motivates me much more than food does, so there we go. Um, Let me just see. Is there anything I need to do to set the stage here? Not really. So I think what I'm going to try to do... So, okay, yes, I guess I am setting the stage. (laughs) What I want to try to do here is highlight the things that have been very influential in my life. Uh, I'll give you a quick background on early parts of my life, and they'll all be relevant in some way to my my story and who I am. Uh, and then I'll kind of highlight the things in the past 10 years that have really um, changed my life, who I am, my direction, all that good stuff. On July 12th, 1988, I was born. <laughs> Um, I'm a summer baby. Let's see, growing up, uh, so I'm the oldest. I had a sister who was then born two years after me. 
we were the only kids for a while. Uh, my parents were happily married, which I mention that because it seems like it's um, the almost the exception rather than the rule these days. And so I am extremely fortunate and grateful for that. They are incredible people. They, I'm just so, so grateful for how I was raised. And, of course, nothing's perfect, and we'll kind of touch on that kind of stuff as we go on the podcast. But, in general, I, like, you know, compared to so many stories out there, um, I'm just incredibly fortunate for, for my, you know, having the parents that I did and for how I was raised. So, Mom and Dad, I love you. Thank you. I, yeah, I, that's it. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't really have words other than that. So anything I say about you guys going forward, just know that at the very base of it, um, I'm just so, so grateful for you. Yeah, so my sister's name is Annie. We, like I said, we were the only ones for a while. Uh, when I was 10 years old, we got news that uh, we had a little brother on the way. <laughs> and funny, at the time, I can visually remember in my kitchen my mom giving me this information and me not reacting well to it. For whatever reason, I, like, pitched a tantrum. I got really upset. I was like, I don't want a brother. I don't, like, so that was, it was weird. I, I really don't know why I did that, because in hindsight, I love him to death. Peter, I love you. Um, you know, he's a little rascal, but, no, I love him. And so two years after that, I had a sister, our final final piece of the, the Fritz kid puzzle, born Elizabeth who is just the the sweetest thing in the world, and um, yeah, I just love her dearly. She's she's the best. So yeah, so that's kind of the family picture. Annie and I are two years apart. Then there was a big gap, and there was Peter and Elizabeth. So this provided kind of a cool, interesting dynamic in the family because we were well for my parents. We were built-in babysitters, so that worked out really well for them. Good planning, guys. But for us as as older siblings, it was pretty cool to have these little kids running around, right? These, like, little people that we took care of and, um, you know, got to know and got to have fun with and got to love and change diapers. Yeah, that part wasn't fun, but real life, right? I I think this caused me to grow up fast, and I don't, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, and I've always been an old soul, so it's kind of funny because I do think that this even furthered that then, and that I just, you know, I, I had experiences as a teenager that most don't have. You know, like I said, I was responsible for them. I had to set a good example. My parents were strict about that. You know, there, there are kids around, do the right thing, say the right thing, because little eyes are watching at all times. And so... So yeah, I think there was so much that helped me grow and mature. On the downside, I think that I had a little bit less room to mess up. This is something that I already kind of, I think just as like a personality trait, put a, a high priority on was doing things right. You know, kind of, I, kind of oldest child things. I wanted to be a good example. I wanted to kind of be the the leader, the role model. And so, like I said, so many good things that came along with that, but also I think there was a little bit of extra pressure added in that way. 
So yeah, so those were kind of the early dynamics and in the household. Uh, I grew up playing sports. I've always been kind of a jock. Uh, I love, love, love football. That was my first true love. Uh, Even in my adult life when I've played football, flag football, or, you know, tackle with my buddies after in college or after college or whatever, uh, those were, like, I've just never felt more alive than I do on a football field. So just kind of an interesting fun fact there. I played lacrosse in high school. I skateboarded religiously as a teenager in junior high, actually, those two years going into high school. Uh, I did karate with my dad, which was really fun and something that I actually want to be picking up uh, as my life goes on as an adult. I want to get back into martial arts. I think there's so many amazing parts, aspects of that. So yeah, so I was an active, active little kid and, uh, and, and big kid. And I really took to weightlifting as well. It was something my dad was always interested in, and he really taught me how to do that early, like at 15. Everybody else in the weight room was in high school was learning for the first time, and I already felt like pretty good about it, and I knew what I was doing, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I, I took a lot of that from my dad. I saw how much he enjoyed it. But I do think part of it is just in my blood. Uh, he never forced it upon me, but I immediately embraced it as something that uh, just felt so, so good and felt so empowering. And I'll probably talk about that in later episodes of the podcast where I can dig in a little bit there into fitness and and lifting and what that did for me as a person um, because it's it's pretty, pretty cool. But that is, yeah, so all that kind of active stuff, schoolwork-wise, I... Fortunately, was um, intelligent. Uh, not, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I, was, <laughs> I just, I was intelligent, and again, I think I have my parents to thank for a lot of that, as they put a high, high priority on schoolwork and doing well and taking my studies seriously, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was fortunate to be a good test taker, which is uh, right in line with the school system and a little bit of a gripe that I have now being older and having met so many incredible, talented people who are brilliant in many other ways than in the test-taking way, but that they still identify with being not smart or being stupid or... like, And that just... I, I just, like bothers the hell out of me that that has become so ingrained in them that they still think that in their adult lives. Um, again, another rabbit hole to go down, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I was, I was good in school and that was, uh, a blessing. And so high school, pretty much everything like up through high school was relatively easy for me. And again, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I just, I'm saying this to be honest because it sets up the following nicely then. And um, the following is that uh, college was became uh, quite the rude awakening for me. To backtrack a second, I ended up going into computer science. Well, so actually I started, I went to the engineering school at U of I. I went into a general engineering program, and then after my freshman year, I switched into a computer science track because I was like, well, I don't want to come out of here with a general degree. I want to have a specific one, and computer stuff seems cool. The whole 
the, the reason that I went to school for this was not because I was like in love with this stuff or I felt that this was my future. I didn't know, you know, like most 18, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I really didn't. I liked playing sports. I was good at math and science and that was kind of it. So quickly the guidance for me became, well, hey, you're great at math and science. Engineering is an awesome upcoming field. There's a lot of opportunities. People like you are needed. uh, And there's a great ceiling. There's a great earning potential there. So I took that and ran with it and was like, okay, you know, it's about as good of a clue as uh, I could possibly have or a good of a direction as as I could, could have. So I... I just kind of ran with that, and I ended up going to the University of Illinois, like I said, uh, the Department of Engineering, so it was like one of the the best engineering schools in the country. The computer science degree was, at the time, and probably still is, rated in the top like three to five degrees in the country, so really awesome stuff, but again, to backtrack for a second, the college experience was an interesting one for me because on the on the school front like I said it was a rude awakening was just I I didn't really have study habits or anything like that because in high school I could show up I could go to class and as long as I listened I would kind of absorb the information I would do the homework and then I would perform on the test and that was that and so it was you know I'm not saying every class was easy because it wasn't but I was able to get things done in a very straightforward manner and excel doing so. In college, (laughs) that was not the case. Classes were hard. I didn't have good... I didn't have any study skills in terms of, like, being on my own and having to figure out how to study for something. Doing the homeworks was not enough. Doing the homeworks was hard. I wasn't going to all my classes because this was the first time that I had freedom. So this was my way of like acting out kind of and getting to do things on my own. And so, yeah, so school was school was tough and it's a good thing. I was happy to have that experience. It was kind of funny because at the time I had remembered an English teacher in high school saying, if you're struggling now, don't worry because it's good. It's a good thing that you're struggling now. You're just hitting your wall at this current point in time. All those other people that are having an easy time will hit their their wall later, and it will be more of a struggle because stuff will be harder. <laughs> and so those words came back to me in, you know, kind of in my freshman year of college and just was like, oh, yep, that's, I hit my wall. I hit my wall I, that I didn't think was real because I'm naive, and, you know, that's what happened. So that was it from an educational perspective. Like I said, this was kind of the first time for me. I was away from home. I was, you know, living in the dorms, so living with a bunch of other 18-year-olds and being on a campus with just a bunch of 18 to 21-year-olds. My mom would call it, or does call it, an alternate universe, and she's 100% correct. It's a very interesting space. Uh, at the time, I was obsessed with it because, like I said, it was it was. I went from having a pretty strict upbringing to having a shit ton of freedom real fast, 
And as anybody knows, when we are restricted or held back and we, you know, kind of the door opens to freedom, we sprint through that door. (laughs) We sprint through that doorway and just go wild, right? Go fucking buck wild. And I did that. And not in a really detrimental way, but definitely in somewhat of a reckless way in that, like I said, I I wasn't going to all my classes, uh, like early lectures and stuff like that. And whereas, you know, whatever, you're in college, you can make your choices. I was doing that relatively consistently. And, you know, I thought I could just kind of like live life on my own terms and do whatever the hell I wanted. And I would figure shit out because I was a smart kid. Um, so there was that aspect to it. I was, I was partying, I was drinking stuff that I really didn't do too much in, in high school. I, you know, I had drank a few times, but it wasn't like a common occurrence, you know, being in the suburbs, driving, all that good kind of stuff. Like it just wasn't something that I could readily do. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of that. And I lived with, um, a buddy I lived with then a couple other of our friends from high school, like right in our dorm hall. And then, yeah, just being in the dorms and with these people in general, it just ended up being mayhem. Fun stuff. Yeah, I've got plenty of stories. I got, I was basically in the hospital once a year. That was kind of like the running joke. <laughs> it was like every fall, I would make my hospital visits to the the campus hospital mono was was the first one and god i've never been so deathly ill that was an awful few weeks and then you know weeks after that even that was uh not a fun time the next year i fell on my head because i was wasted and blacked out and i was alone and i fell on my head and busted my head open <laughs> i found some people that had taken me to the hospital and got that all stitched up, and let's see, what was after that? Oh, the next year I got staples in my head because I was playing flag football, and I got elbowed in the head, and again, um, my, my skull seemed like it burst open, and blood was everywhere, and I did a cool, like, I ripped my shirt off and tied it around my head thing, which is funny because it seemed way more manly than I felt inside. I'm terrified of seeing my own blood. Uh, I, like, it just freaks me the fuck out. And, um, yeah, my mom's got good stories about that too. when I was a kid, cause I just like, it immediately sent me in a, into panic mode, but yeah, anyways, all sorts of craziness at the end of the day, nothing tragic happened. Um, I was, I was still a good kid. I was just having, having some fun with my freedom, just a little more reckless than when I was growing up. So that's kind of how things started going. And then really towards the end of, you know, the, the second half of college, uh, junior, senior year, I started to develop more stress and anxiety uh, as the real world was approaching. And as my classes were getting harder, as my grades continued to go downhill instead of uphill or stay, stay stable, I really started be- to begin struggling with that because... I was just, I had never been in a position, like I said, where things were really difficult for me, where I didn't get it, Um, especially after, not after like effort, right? After I put some effort in, I've pretty much always been able to do whatever I put my mind to. 
And so this was one of those times where it was like, as hard as I tried, I just sucked at it. Like I just wasn't good at the work. Um, I, it took me a long time. I struggled to comprehend it. Uh, I was doing, I was working with partners in all of my like core classes for my major because I seriously could not do the work on my own. Like it was that difficult. And so it was really, it was really, really difficult because, um, I think there was an identity thing there of like, you know, I was always the, the smart kid that was able to figure things out, but there was also just a kind of like a sense of impending doom of like, well, I suck at this and like, you know, how am I going to graduate if I continue to do poorly in classes what does that mean for me when I get into the real world? Will I get a job? Like, you know, all these things started to... I was spiraling is what was happening and and on a regular basis. I was just... There was now this low-level... Well, constant low-level and then um, frequent spikes of stress and anxiety around schoolwork. Um, I went into big exams and I would, like, read through the test... Like, literally flip through all the pages and be like, oh, shit, I know how to do none of this. And for any of you that have experienced that um, that blank panic, that blank mind when when taking a test, it is truly terrifying. Especially when you believe that what you're doing is determining the rest of your life. So those moments were really, really difficult, really scary and um, kind of the, just to give you an idea of the, um, you know, the, where it got to, how much it was affecting me, I got to the point where I started drinking before tests. I would have a couple drinks because I had to calm my mind. I had to be able to stop that panic from setting in so that I could at least get something on paper and get some partial credit so I could at least pass uh, so not, you know, not a proud moment by any means. And so, so far from kind of this like perfect all-American boy reputation that I had, you know, the guy that always was always smiling, the guy that, you know, just did everything so well. I was at this point where I did not feel like that on the inside. And um, I was, you know, like I said, to this point where I was like drinking before tests. So that kind of culminated with... Nothing, nothing bad came from that, fortunately. It never, like, spiraled past that. But I had a couple instances with, like, late-night projects that were, you know, caffeine-driven, pulling all-nighters where I experienced some kind of, like, panic symptoms. It wasn't... I never had a full-blown panic attack in college, which, you know, in hindsight, I'm extremely grateful for. I have had them since. But... Fortunately, I didn't have any full-blown panic attacks in college. I have experienced them since, and they're not fun. <laughs> they're actually the worst. Um, for any of you that have suffered them, I truly empathize with you because they are terrible. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that was college. <laughs> kind of the way that it ended was I took my final exams at the very end of my college career, and I... I got a grade in the last one that I didn't think was going to be a passing grade. And that was kind of the low point. I fucking panicked and I like emailed my my teacher and was just like, please, like, 
you know, just let me know whatever I need to do to pass the class. I truly don't care what my grade is. Like, I don't give a shit about my GPA. Just, like, let me pass the class. And I just remember feeling that that desperation and uh, just sucked. It really sucked. Again, when you think that your life is determined by these things, it's, it's, a, it's a huge weight. So there, that, that was that. But the other important thing to mention here as I'm graduating is that in this time of difficulty, in this junior, senior year of college, I, you know, the, the kind of sad part in hindsight is that I didn't, I didn't see there being an option to make a change. Uh, I was like, I committed to this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to, you know, force my way through it. So there never really was an option of changing paths. There, you know, kind of the driving force then became money. I was like, you know what? This degree is going to just pay so well that everything's going to be okay. Like, I'll finally get that big boy paycheck and everything is going to be amazing. Like, I just have to push to that. That's it. Like, I can do this. I can make it happen. Just graduate. Get that job. Just be yourself and work hard and you'll kind of be back on track and we can finally put college behind us. And that was more or less what happened. Within months of graduating... I did find a job, which at the time was kind of crazy because, like I said, this this degree that I'd gotten is one of the best in the country, and to not have a job lined up on, like for immediately upon graduating was really crazy, and the reason is because I graduated at the tail end of the Great Recession in 2008. I graduated in 2010, so the market was still feeling the effects of that, and uh, so, so yeah, so I did too. Uh, I still got a job quicker than, than many people that I know. It took me, what was it, four months? Uh, yeah, four or five months. So I got, got that offer. It was an offer for $52,000, which at the time I was like, oh, yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I went through all that difficulty. This is why... I put myself through all that. This is, like, the reward I finally get to reap. Like, awesome. It was a local company, so my parents, uh, I was living with them, obviously, after college. Or I grew up, and they live in Schaumburg, Illinois. The job was local. It wasn't downtown Chicago, um, but it was north of the city, so I did have a pretty long commute to get to this place. So I started doing the commute, I was driving, you know, hour, hour and 15 every day each way. So a round trip, two to two and a half hours a day if the weather was good. <laughs> and yeah, I was just adulting, right? I was wearing my business casual. I was bringing my lunch because I was hashtag healthy. Um, I've always done that. I've always been been healthy, um, like bringing my lunch, making my lunch. I did this in high school, college, like seriously. Um, and, and again, thank you, mom, because I truly appreciate that. But I was just adulting. I felt so grown up. I felt so professional in my business casual, in my cubicle, in my two screens. And, like, I just felt cool, right? Like, I felt like I was doing the adult thing. And it was, it was great. Like, I, I did that for a while. Did a little bit of traveling. I was, I got a, the, so the job was a business intelligence consultant. So I'm super, super awesome. And it, it was cool. It, it honestly was like an interesting position. I was, the work that I was doing was, was kind of cool. 
it really was an experience that, again, in hindsight, I can appreciate. But what happened <laughs> at that time was I quickly became disenchanted. I realized that although this lifestyle seemed cool and I felt really grown up, I didn't really get the point of it. <laughs> and, you know, this is where I start to sound a little bit like a dreamer, an idealist, but like really, like I've always been like this. So I remember a time, man, when I was probably, you know, 10 or 12 years old, I was young and we were driving to the city for whatever reason, my family that is, and we were stuck in, you know, morning rush hour traffic. And I just remember thinking to myself in that moment, why would anybody do this? Like, why do we as humans do this? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why? Like, it, and I don't really even know how to truly put it into words, but it was like the energy that I got from it. I was like, it just felt like such a herd mentality, such like a zombie like going through the motions and like I said I was 10 years old or something at this time where this energy this feeling this way of life just didn't make sense to me and that's always 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 stuck with me always um so it was just really interesting so I like to mention that because it's not like I became a rebel all of a sudden when I got older and realized oh like a desk job is boring and stupid and I don't like working you know, 40 to 60 hours for somebody else. It wasn't that. Like, it's always been a piece of me. And that'll do it for the first half of my story. Everything from here on out feels like a next phase of my life, which is why I'm going to separate it out, and that includes struggles and rock bottoms, realizations and breakthroughs. I hope you join me to hear all these in the next episode. See you there. Hey yo, thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.